Hi there, Misfits. This is Kate. And this is Joe. Welcome to Horrorwood. Welcome, Joe, to Horrorwood. Joe Shubog, thanks for joining me. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you for agreeing to sit in my closet. What a dream. And smell all of our shoes. It smells great. Good. Would recommend. <laughs> I'm so glad. Uh, Joe is a friend who, he's also a theater maker here in Chicago, and he agreed to do the podcast today as a guest co-host. So thank you. Everyone is in for of a treat. Course. And... Another being that's in for a treat is my little pup, Pup Frankie, because today she turns one year old and I did get her a birthday hat and I did get her a birthday <laughs> shirt and I did get her a lot of presents. So maybe I'll maybe I'll post a little a little Instagram story about oh, that. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday, Frankie. Happy birthday, Frankie. Also, a little a little exciting thing. I mean, it's exciting to me, but probably no one else is I added a new tier on our Patreon. First off, thank you to all of our Patreon subscribers. We love you and you're helping us to keep this going. Uh, And we realized that like $5 is maybe a little steep for some people. So there's a, a cheaper tier. It's just two bucks a month. And you don't get the the extra episodes, like the bonus episodes, but you do get all the episodes ad free. So all the regular episodes, which you don't have to listen to any ads. I think we've got one running for uh, another podcast right now and hopefully we'll have others soon. But yeah. So if you're, if you've been wondering about, or if if you've been thinking about supporting us on Patreon and you're just like, I don't know, I don't know if I want to spend $5. um, You don't have to, you can spend $2. So hop on over there. What a deal. What a deal. Deals and steals. <laughs> I also, before we get into this case, I do want to jump back to a case we did previously um, on the murder of Jacqueline Avant. To refresh your memory, she was the wife of Clarence Avant, who was a big music mogul, but she was she had a lot going for her in her own right. So we posted that episode, I think it's been a few months now. And if you've if you've listened to it and then you might remember. So after the killer left the Avon's home, he went to a house in the Hollywood Hills and it was there that he uh, shot himself in the foot and called 911. And so when the cops show up, he was like, I shot myself and Mm. or he was like, no, someone shot me. And then uh, (laughs) they were like, "Mm, I don't know. The daughter that lived in that house heard our episode and commented and she just wanted to like add a few details that weren't in the papers which was super awesome she said that the guy had actually probably fallen down their steps uh based on Mm. the blood spatter and just how he was found Mm -hmm. and she called 911 first so shout out to her yeah she seemed like a badass because i was reading a little bit more about her story after she wrote us and i was just like oh my god like 
Oh boy. Wow. So if you're listening out there, you know who you are. Uh, we think you're a badass and uh, thanks for <laughs> writing in. That's awesome. Yeah. Talk about interaction. I love it. I love when people that are listening comment to us and and just like start a conversation or even just to say like, oh, hey, I didn't know that about this case that I thought I knew everything about. So that kind of stuff is really cool. So you should all do that. Yeah. Joseph. Yes. Are you ready for this case? I maybe. <laughs> I don't I don't know if you are. I'm probably not. No one is. Yeah. It's it's kind of a rough one. Yeah. As all murder is. Mm-hmm. But this one is one that uh deals with domestic violence. So I just want to put mm-hmm. that out there. I'm not sure. We've restarted this so many times. I'm not sure if the content warning I mentioned before was on this <laughs> take or a previous take. But we are talking today about the murder of Dr. Amy Harwick. Mm. On Valentine's Day 2020, renowned sex therapist Dr. Amy Harwick went out with a group of friends, a Galentine's night out. They went to a burlesque show at the Globe Theater in downtown L.A. Mm. that a friend of theirs who goes by the name Miss Tosh had organized. Mm. And it was just a fun Valentine's event that was being held to celebrate love. (laughs) And Amy and her friends were taking a bunch of pictures and cheering on the performers and having what seemed to be a freaking awesome time. Sounds like it. Yeah, Miss Tosh invited Amy to an after party, but she decided not to go and instead went with friends for tea at a schmancy hotel called the Nomad. Mm. It's called something different now. Now it's like Hotel Perla or something like that. Mm. But any hoops, while at the Nomad, Amy and her friends hung out, they chatted a couple hours before calling it a night a little after midnight. Amy headed home and got back to her place around 1 a.m. And less than three hours later she was pronounced dead. Before we get into her death, let's talk about Amy's life because she lived a pretty spectacular one and was the definition of badass. Mm. Amy Nicole Harwick was born May 20th, 1981. She grew up in Lansdale, Pennsylvania and spent a brief amount of time in foster care and was adopted by Penny and Tom Harwick. They also had a son named Chris, and by all accounts, it sounds like this was a very loving household. Amy was really close with her family. Every year, they held a cookie baking day, (laughs) which was basically a huge family reunion where everyone got together and baked and exchanged cookies. Oh, that's so sweet. Right? And once Amy had gotten older and moved out of the house, this became her favorite visit each year. She'd be like, I'm going home for CBD, which is what they called (laughs) cookie baking day. Which means something else now. It does. (laughs) As a kid, Amy always felt like she was awkward. She wasn't sure where she fit in. She was just trying to figure out who she was. I mean, I think that's everyone in high school. Yeah. She'd hang out with the rocker kids and the goth kids. She said they were always getting into trouble. I think (laughs) mostly benign things like skipping class and that sort of stuff. Uh She wore ripped up fishnet stockings, combat boots, leopard print skirts. She was constantly changing the color of her hair. One week it would be purple. The next it was blue. None of that sounds awkward to me. She just sounds cool. Like she sounds like a badass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. She loved heavy metal and also Tori Amos. Amazing. Two very different musical styles. Amazing. She also loved dancing. Throw her in a mosh pit any day and she was happy. Wow. Friends and family describe her as quirky and fun and really unique. She loved the macabre. 
She was super mm. into horror movies and also collected taxidermy. Oh, my God. Which you just don't meet a girl every day that collects taxidermy. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's stunning. <laughs> In high school, she worked at the mall, like one does. And according to an article in Rolling Stone, she fell in love with a musician of a heavy heavy metal band and married young, moving to Los Angeles in 2001. I couldn't find anything anywhere else regarding this marriage, Hmm. but she did move to L.A. in 2001, so that much has been verified. Hmm. And pretty much from the moment she arrived in California, she worked her butt off to put herself through school. She began modeling, which was something she'd always thought would be fun to do, but never thought she could actually do it. It was just a pipe dream for her. But a friend convinced her to get some pictures taken and give it a shot, and she was really successful at it. Hmm. She modeled for different clothing companies, as well as a company called Coffin Case, what? which makes coffin-shaped guitar <laughs> cases. Oh yes. Which seems right up her alley. Like, it's macabre, yeah, yeah, it's heavy metal. It feels connected it's on brand in line with her values lovely yes yeah she also modeled for this kind of unknown publication um it's called playboy i don't know if you've heard of that oh no never but uh she was a centerfold at one point amazing she was also really passionate about fitness and became a personal trainer even releasing Mm. her own exercise dvd called fit to rock And she had a weekly exercise program on YouTube as well for a company that she modeled for. It was AMI Clubwear, and she did these Workout Wednesday videos. Mm. She also worked as a bartender, as though she didn't have enough jobs. Yeah, that's a lot of jobs. She hustled. She was a go-go dancer, even a fire eater. Wow. Playboy even hired her as a fire eater for their parties. Oh, wow. So she was hustling, making that cash, all so she could support herself and put herself through school. What kind of school was she in? Do we know? We do know. And thank you for asking. Ooh. She always knew that she wanted to go into psychology. Mm. And after getting her bachelor's degree in psychology at Cal Poly, she went on to get her master's in clinical psychology and then her doctorate in human sexuality. Oh, wow. Can we get some snaps? For Dr. Amy Harlow. Yeah, what a queen. Come on. Yes. I don't have nails on today, so I can snap today. (laughs) A lot of people that move to L.A. wait for something to happen for them, but Amy was really making it happen for herself. Yeah. And it was her drive that really made her stand out among her peers. Thomas Nagovin, which I feel like that might be a typo, but maybe it's not. And uh, he was a musician and gallery owner, said her friends knew her as brilliant and curious. She was fiercely self-sufficient and driven. But she was also just a good human. Mm. She was caring and empathetic, and she described herself as a people person. And those qualities are what made her such an effective therapist. Mm. There's a story about her from high school. Uh, In 10th grade, Amy was at school and she went to the restroom. And there was another girl in there named Sharon. And Amy and Sharon didn't know each other. Sharon had just found out that a close friend of hers had died. Mm. So she was in there sobbing. And Amy saw her. And she could have just ignored her and thought like, oh, I don't want any party that. Or, you know, like, I'll just use the bathroom down the hall or whatever. Mm -hmm. But instead, Amy just asked Sharon if she'd like a hug. Because always ask for consent. And Sharon said Amy just held her while she cried. And then the two of them became great friends. So this seems like a real, like, sweetie pie humanitarian 
person. Absolutely. Yeah, that's just who she was. Very warm, friendly, empathetic. Coffin-shaped guitar cases and all. Coffin-shaped guitar cases. Uh, Los Angeles isn't exactly known for being a city filled with friendly and empathetic humans. Mm. But that was another thing that made Amy stand out. Her friend Mm. Tommy Vext, he's a heavy metal singer-songwriter, said, quote, Amy was just a different kind of person. And she definitely didn't fit into any mold. She was this brilliant mm. therapist, gorgeous model. And as I mentioned earlier, she loved the macabre. She was into all things gruesome. Hmm. She especially loved Hollywood true crime, which just made my little mm. heart smile. She liked visiting cemeteries like Hollywood Forever Cemetery. It was one mm-hmm. of her favorite places. And she was really interested in famous Hollywood deaths like Marilyn Monroe and Sharon Tate. She actually bought some of Sharon Tate's bras at an auction. So I was like, oh Whoa. my. <laughs> That's specific. That's <laughs> very specific. I wonder what you do with those. Right? Do you wear them? Do you display them? Uh, yeah. Are they just in your underwear drawer? I'm not sure what, I mean, surely not. You want those suckers out, I would think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A longtime friend of Amy's, sex therapist Dr. Hernando Chavez, said, quote, the darkness made her feel alive and happy. Mm. Even in the hardest times of her life, she was always enthusiastic, which I I get that. Like, I feel that. Yeah. During her time in L.A., Amy's style began evolving. She was getting more into the pinup girl look. And mm. a couple of the companies she eventually modeled for were in that style. She loved that vintage look. Anything from the 1940s to the 60s, she said, quote, if I could dress like it was 1969 all the time, I would. Unfortunately, it looks a little odd on a day-to-day basis. Well, and that brings up a question for me, which is, is the modeling happening concurrent to her work in psychology? Do you know? Yes. So she did eventually, once she graduated and got her PhD, wasn't necessarily doing that as much anymore. But she Mm -hmm. was still taking, like odd gigs like she would bartend here mm, and there or whatever that's so interesting i mean she still had to pay off that school you know yeah ain't that the truth ain't it as far as her personal life she tended to date the heavy metal types some sources say that according to friends she even dated marilyn manson at one point mm. i don't know if that's true but several sources just say that her friends mentioned she dated marilyn manson so there's mm. that There's that. And that's the that on that. Yes. Then in 2010, she was working as a go-go dancer at a gig where she met Gareth Pursehouse. Gareth worked as a photographer and was there to take pictures of the event. And eventually the two began dating. Gareth was different from the other guys, Amy Amy Lee. That's that's not her name. It's not short for that. (laughs) Gareth was different from the other guys Amy usually dated. He was far from the heavy metal type. In addition to being a photographer, he was an IT specialist and also a wannabe comedian, but like sucked as a comedian. Oh, dear. Like, like really bad. Yeah. He was on Kill Tony. Do you know what that is? No. So it's a live podcast where new comedians have the chance to get up and do a one minute of stand up. And it's just kind of like random if they get picked. Well, Gareth was there one night and he got picked to come up on stage. But he spent his entire time insulting the hosts. Oops. Like, it was really bad. You can look it up online because it went viral. It was really bad. Um, Because the host was like, yeah, usually people get up there and, like, that's their one shot. And they're super prepared. And they, like, want to give it their all. And not Gareth. He he really went a different way with that. 
that's not a tight five. What's a tight five? Oh, that's when like you're a stand up comedian and you have like a five minutes that's always in your back pocket in case you go up to an open mic or like you're at an audition and they ask you like for another character or just to see something else. So you always have this tight five that's ready. Oh, I've never heard it referenced like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, tight five. Oh, I like it. Gareth was really into Amy right from the start. Just thought she was all that in a can of LaCroix. He was like, "Mm, Hmm. Amy. And Amy liked the attention he gave her. Some would consider him attractive. He was six foot four. He had that conventional L.A. actor type of face. But a friend of Amy's said there was nothing special about him. Hmm. In general, her friends were not really impressed by him at all. Even though he was outwardly pleasant, he was just kind of bland. Hmm. Another friend of Amy's said that Gareth did a lot of mirroring. So if you Hmm. said... I love chocolate milkshakes. He would say, oh my God, I love chocolate milkshakes. And that same friend said he was just, quote, kind of like the aliens from Third Rock from the Sun, trying to imitate (laughs) how he thought humans behaved. Yeah, red flag for sure. Yeah, it's not good. It's not a good sign. But Amy liked him and things were good between them until they weren't. Behind closed doors, things were taking a dark turn. And I'm just going to mention it one more time for a content warning for domestic violence. In June of the following year, so we're at 2011 now, Mm. Amy filed a restraining order against Gareth, alleging that on multiple occasions he had choked her, suffocated Mm. her, pushed her against the wall, kicked her, dropped her to the ground with force, like he'd pick her up and then literally throw her to the ground. Mm. Forcefully restrained her, slammed her head into the ground, and punched her. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. It's giving Dominique Dunn, like there are a lot of similarities Mm. between the two cases. Her request for a straining order was dismissed for, quote, lack of prosecution, which happens if the person filing the restraining order doesn't show up to court to finalize that order. Mm. Because she was probably terrified. Yeah. Because that's the thing, for the permanent restraining order to be put in place, both parties have to appear in court in person to present evidence. Hmm. So Amy would have to prove that she was in danger and Gareth would have to prove that he didn't pose any threat. Hmm. It's a lot harder to prove your life is in danger than it is to say, oh, I would never hurt her. Right. I love her. What are you talking about? Like, I love her. I would never hurt her. Sadly, it doesn't surprise me that she didn't show up to finalize that order. He probably said he would hurt her further if she did. I don't know if that was the case, but the court does not make things easy for victims of domestic abuse. No. Amy remained in contact with Gareth. She thought she could make the relationship work. Her friend I mentioned earlier, Tommy Vext, said that Amy had a fear of abandonment that stemmed from her days spent in foster care and being adopted. And it was something she struggled with, but had been exploring and researching in different books. And she was interested in learning about the psychological effects of adoption. In an interview with 48 Hours, her best friend, a man by the name of Robert Koshland, said that she was, quote, very much about maintaining things that she had, even if they weren't good. She really wanted to make her relationships work. And with her therapy background, I think she probably thought she could make it work and that she could help him. But by the following year in 2012, it became crystal clear to her that this was not a healthy relationship. And she ended up filing another restraining order against him, 
this time following through with it. She stated that she had been riding in a car with Gareth when they got into a fight. He pulled her out of the car, physically assaulted her, which gave her a bloody nose, and then he just left her there on the freeway and drove off. Oh my God. That's rough. That's bad. Just left her on the freeway of Los Angeles and drove away. Oh my goodness. She also stated that he had broken into her apartment multiple times and smashed her picture frames and then sent her a text later that said, quote, things will get worse. So this is a bad guy. Yeah, we don't like Gareth. No, bad news. Bad news bears. By the time she filed for that second restraining order, she was done with him. The relationship was officially over and she didn't go back to him after that. With that door closed, Amy was able to get back to being her badass self. She wanted to specialize in family counseling, and she got a job that she loved doing, which was working with juvenile offenders. Mm. She was also heavy into the music scene in L.A. She served on the board of directors for Rock to Recovery, which is an organization that uses music therapy to help musicians struggling with addiction or trauma or just their mental health in general. I mean, she was just like giving back, getting involved in really cool, really humanitarian is not the word, but like helpful ways to, to, to help people. And also really interesting that she has this like foot in music this whole time, right? Yeah. Yeah. She has a lot of interest. She was just like, she was just really cool. Like a Renaissance person. Yes. She produced and even appeared in several rock videos. She acted in a couple of independent films. And all the while, she's still bartending and eating fire because it ain't cheap to get a PhD. Wild. Mark Hunter, a musician who was also a friend of hers, said, quote, I remember once I turned on the TV and I'm like, is that Amy on The Real Housewives swallowing fire in the background? Oh, my god. And it was. That's fascinating. Amy said the real moment her life changed for the better was when she got a cat that she was obsessed with. She said she fully embraced being a crazy cat lady. She dressed him in costumes. She gave him an Instagram. I feel this so hard. She named him Marquis de Shaw, which I never took French, but I'm pretty sure it translates to noble cat. That's incredible. I love it. So her life was on an upswing. She'd gotten back into the dating scene, and she still had this bright, energetic personality. But what a lot of people around her didn't know was that she was dealing with an anonymous cyber stalker now. Boy. She thought it could be Gareth, but she also Mm -hmm. suspected that it could be a woman that she had once been friends with. But something happened between the two of them, and they had a falling out. That woman had been known to send Amy harassing text messages and emails in the past. And in 2015, Amy actually filed a restraining order against her. Oh, boy. But she's not 100% certain that it was this woman that was cyber stalking her because the culprit was never identified. But it went on for years. Every several months, this person would just pop up online, post something cruel about her on a gossip website, and it made her feel threatened. So much so that once when she had to go out of town, and I think she was only like going for one night, she asked her friend, Dr. Hernando, Hernan, la 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 words. She asked her friend, Dr. Hernando Chavez, who I mentioned earlier, to mm-hmm. keep Marquis de Shaw at his house because she was afraid someone would break into her place and hurt him. Mm. The same online stalker found some nude photos of Amy from when she was modeling, likely from her Playboy days. 
mm-hmm. and sent them to Amy's employer. That's not chill. And she got fired on the grounds that they didn't think she should be working with juveniles. Oh, man. But that's the thing she cares the most about. Exactly. And she thought it was so dumb to lose a job over some nude photos she had done. Especially from the past. Yeah. I mean, this is like from years ago. Yeah. So Amy being Amy managed to turn this setback into a positive thing. And she switched her focus to relationship and sex therapy. Oh. She found it incredibly fulfilling because she was able to treat people with marginalized sexual identities like sex workers or polyamorous people, Mm. which in the mental health field, those therapists are hard to find. Or at least Mm. historically, it's been hard to find those mental health professionals who can come into the room without bias, without trying to encourage their client to leave their sex work. Right. Amy had friends of her own who were in the BDSM and kink communities, so she felt she could work from a non-judgmental place of knowledge and empathy and stand up for those who were often criticized for their identities. That's great. Yeah. She opened up her own practice in West Hollywood, and it seems she had really found her purpose. She even wrote a book titled The New Sex Bible for Women, which is an all-encompassing sex-positive guide for women, but it's great for men, too. Yeah. And it uses scientific studies and case studies and testimonials, and it has some pretty great reviews on Amazon. I haven't read it, but it looks it actually looks really good. That's amazing. Yeah. Amy Six... I keep saying, yeah. <laughs> Gotta yeah. That. Yeah. Amy's success led to appearances on podcasts, TV shows, excerpts of her book appeared in magazines. She's booming. Or as the kids these days say, she ate and left no crumbs. <laughs> I learned that from my 11-year-old niece. Amazing. It used to be slay, uh-huh. but now it's she ate and left no crumbs. That's right. She makes me cool, my niece. <laughs> but around 2016, Amy had gone out of town, I believe. And when she returned home, she realized something was off. For one thing, several of her picture frames were turned over. And she was like, Uh-oh. that's weird. And then as she had been in her place a little while, she realized all of her photo albums were missing. <gasps> like what? Creepy. Also, we we know someone who's been messing with her picture frames before. Yeah, someone does not like her pictures. So then she opens up her laptop and it had been completely wiped. Whoa. So she calls her best friend, Robert Koshlin, and she said, hey, I think Gareth broke into my home and stole my photo albums, and something's up with my computer. It's not working. Yeah. So Robert went over there, realizes the computer has been wiped, and if you remember from earlier in the episode, Gareth was an IT specialist. Oh, I forgot already. Mm-hmm. Amy was convinced it was him, but she didn't have any Mm. actual proof. She didn't have cameras or anything, so there really wasn't anything she could do. But she was worried that he was tracking her somehow or had bugged Mm -hmm. her home. Mm -hmm. Like, just the thought of that freaks me out. It's why I'm terrified of Apple AirTags. Like, I will never go near an Apple AirTag. Oh, yeah. And yeah, all of that, like, surveillance possibility is pretty spooky. Hate it. Hate it. It seemed like he just couldn't let her go. He started sending messages to her friends, just talking shit, like trying to sabotage her friendships. But her friends knew not to listen to this guy. They were just like, dude, it's been years. Move on. Mm -hmm. And for her part, Amy had moved on. She was seeing someone else. Mm. Then in 2017, 
She was hired to bartend a big Hollywood party. Tons of celebrities, real schmancy. And one of the party goers was Drew Carey. Oh. Comedian, host of The Price is Right, had his own sitcom back in the day. Yeah. And when he saw Amy, he was like, who is that? Hmm. The two immediately hit it off. Whoa. Now that's a twist. Didn't see that one coming. (laughs) Cleveland rocks, you know? Yeah, it does. It was Amy's birthday, and the guy she was seeing at the time was supposed to be meeting her, but he stood her up. Huh. So as Amy is talking with Drew, this comes up. And Drew's like, well, that's lame. You shouldn't be stood up, especially when it's your birthday. I'll take you out. Hmm. So they made plans to go to Disneyland. And a week or two later, he said, invite all your friends. I want to take all of you out. To Disneyland? To Disneyland. Now that's a birthday. That's a great date, if I do say so. Yeah. Drew Carey's there. All your friends are there. Yeah. Turkey leg. Come on. So Drew treated Amy and like 10 of her closest friends to this trip. And her bestie, Robert, was one of the people in the group. And he said they all had the best time. Oh, my God. That's amazing. And the chemistry between Amy and Drew was palpable. At one point, Drew pulled Robert aside and he said, I'm going to marry her. Whoa. Amy's friends loved Drew because he was genuinely a nice guy. They were like, finally, she has found someone worthy of her. Well, and I was going to say, it's like also like totally different vibe than like what she'd been going for before, right? Like how many heavy metal rockers did she date? Yeah, Drew was so different. He was just, he was a good guy and he had his shit together, you know? And in an interview for 48 Hours, Drew Carey said, quote, I fell so hard for her. It felt to Mm. me like, finally, here's everything I ever wanted. Wow. He went on to say, quote, I have a lot of body issues about the way I look, but I would take my shirt off around her and not care. And she would love me. Mm. She just always thought I was sexy and hot. Mm. He said she gave him unconditional love. Once it became public that the two were dating, however, the online haters came out. Mm. The people that have nothing better to do with their lives than to try to wreck others. There's a lot of them. They're, oh my God, tell me about it. People were making comments that she was a gold digger. They'd say she wasn't a real therapist. It's like, dude, mm. she has a PhD. Like, what do you have? Yeah. They had a lot of feelings about the age difference between Drew and Amy. She was 35 and he was 58 when they met. But it's like, they're mm. adults, two consenting adults. Yeah. They're not hurting anyone. Like, what's your problem? These are grown ass adults. Exactly. Amy really got the brunt of criticism. She and Drew were at an event that she was going to be speaking at. She was one of the guests and they were on the red carpet beforehand and there's press and all of that. And, and one of the press people says, um, okay, could you step aside so we can get some photos of Drew? Because they assumed Drew was the one speaking at the event. Mm. And Drew was like, um, no, this is her thing. I'm here to support her. Like I'll step aside. She's the badass. I'm just her date. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So they had to put up with some real bullshit. The couple tried to keep a low profile and it sounds like they just had the sweetest romance. Like they'd be making dinner and just start dancing in the kitchen together. They loved dancing together. And even though Drew wasn't into true crime and all of that, he embraced the fact that she was. Like, she would ask him to go to cemeteries with her, and he would. And although she said he wasn't really into taxidermy stuff, he was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. But, you know, he, he loved her. I almost forgot about the taxidermy stuff. <laughs> Never forget almost. about the taxidermy. <laughs> 
Overall, things were going really well between the two, and Drew proposed. The two became engaged, but they kept it under the radar. They tried to keep a low profile as much as possible. Fame did have a negative effect on the relationship. Anytime they were out at an event or out to dinner, photos would be taken, and then they'd appear in some paper or magazine the next day. And whenever this would happen, a couple of days later, negative comments would appear online about her, especially on websites that reviewed therapists. Hmm. Like they'd give her a bad review, essentially trying to tarnish her reputation. Yeah. And Amy began to suspect that it was her ex, Gareth, even though they had broken up years earlier. Hmm. But the comments would always appear right after an article had come out about her and Drew. And what's interesting, just if you think about it, is Gareth wanted to be a comedian. Drew was the ultimate comedian. So there's that aspect to it. Yep. Amy commented to Drew once, oh, I wish you weren't famous. And she kind of made it sound like if it weren't for the fact that Drew was so famous, then, then these comments wouldn't be coming out on these websites. Yeah. It definitely put a strain on their relationship. From a therapist standpoint, Amy felt like Gareth was being triggered whenever there was a headline mm-hmm. about her and Drew. Mm-hmm. Which makes a ton of sense. Yeah, absolutely. Then out of the blue, in early 2018, Drew received a call from the National Enquirer. They'd gotten a tip that the couple was engaged and they were going to run the story. So even though Drew and Amy hadn't planned on making a huge public announcement, they definitely didn't want the National Enquirer making it. No. So Drew brought Amy onto The Price is Right on Valentine's Day to announce the engagement. Oh, that's interesting. Valentine's Day again, huh? Yeah, Valentine's Day unfortunately plays a big role in this episode. Yeah, creepy, if you ask me. Oh, it's very creepy. (laughs) Sadly, though, the problems in their relationship became too much. They went to therapy, Mm. they tried to make it work, but it just didn't. And later that year, after close to two years of dating, they parted ways. Both of them were devastated because they really did Mm. love each other, but they they just couldn't make it work. Yeah. Hernando Chavez said, quote, it was one of the few moments I'd seen her in pain and crumbling. Mm. Both she and Drew took the breakup really hard, but eventually they did each move on and start seeing other people. And Amy began working with Pineapple Support, an organization that offers free therapy to any and all persons working in the online adult industry. So like Hmm. webcam performers, performers on sites like Pornhub, things like that. Yeah. And it's called, uh, this is just like a little fun fact. It's called pineapple yeah. because I didn't know this. Pineapple is the most commonly used safe word in the United States uh, after stop and red. Yes, I've heard that. Yeah. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. I didn't know that. Like, where did that come from? And I think, right, it's partially because it's a word that would rarely come up in sexy talk on its own, right? I, but I feel like there are a lot of words that would not come yes. up in sexy talk. <laughs> I bet it's from something, honestly. We should do some digging. Like, how did it land on pineapple? Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. I mean, I almost, part of my brain wants to say that it came from a Friends episode, but I could be making that up entirely. Mm, possible. Possible. So while Amy is continuing to be an all-around remarkable human and dedicate her life to helping others, her ex, Gareth Pursehouse, was off doing whatever the fuck Gareth Pursehouse does. Mm-hmm. And one of these things included posting a video on Instagram in which he jokes about a scene from Game of Thrones where someone is 
uh, thrown from the tower. Uh-huh. And so in the video, he says, okay, Game of Thrones, first season. The brother and sister are up in the castle, and the brother has to go and throw the kid off to kill him. And even though it's evil, I feel kind of bad for the brother. Because even though he doesn't want to do it, his sister incested. So, like, he's trying to set this whole thing up just so that he can make that one incest yeah. joke. Yeah. But he's, like, laughing about the whole thing. It's just, on the surface, it just seems like a bad joke. But yeah, when you know about his past abuse and you learn more about him, it becomes very disturbing. Yeah, th- I'm getting the yucko vibes for sure. Yeah, he's definitely yucko. <laughs> then in January of 2020, Amy was scheduled to appear at the XBiz conference and awards show. The XBiz, mm. the XBiz awards are kind of like the Golden Globes of the adult film industry. Uh-huh. And the 2020 awards, I love that you say that, like, you're like, yeah, I've been nominated many times. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> the award show host that year was none other than Stormy Daniels. No. Well, Stormy nope. Daniels had a big 2020, didn't she? <laughs> she had a lot going on. Yeah. Amy was there to participate on a panel about mental health and counseling, and she was representing that organization I mentioned, Pineapple Support. Mm-hmm. But originally, she wasn't supposed to be there. It was supposed to be another member from Pineapple Support, but at the last minute, that other person had to cancel, and so Amy stepped in. Hmm. She attended with her friend and fellow sex therapist, Dr. Hernando Chavez. I've mentioned him a couple times. Mm -hmm. And just as they were about to walk the red carpet, Amy spots Gareth. He was there as a photographer, which is something he did. He would get hired to photograph red carpet events oh boy and he had photographed this event in the past so it's unclear if he knew that she was gonna be there yeah i kind of don't think he was expecting to see her yeah it did seem like it took him by surprise but i don't know bad news though it's not good amy walks the carpet and gareth was trying to get her attention but she's just trying to do her job she's doing her best to ignore him And then as she walked off, he followed her. No. And he starts waving his arms around and just starts screaming at her. And he yelled, and this is in front, I mean, there's like a hundred people around them. He yells, you're a hypocrite. You broke my heart. You've ruined my life. Uh, What? What? He then started reciting text messages she had sent him from 2012. I can't even remember a text I sent this morning, let alone eight years ago. But this guy had this at the ready. And like memorized? Yeah, that was his tight five. Yeah, that was his tight five. (laughs) That's right. So he creates this huge scene in front of everyone right by the red carpet. He starts crying and falls to the ground in the fetal position, sobbing. This is a grown ass man. And they haven't dated in a really long time. Years, eight years. Like, come on. Those are some big eight years. At this point... Amy's restraining order against him had expired because they don't go past five years. Mm. And in order to renew it, she would have had to appear in court with him again, which I'm sure she was terrified of doing. So Mm -hmm. legally, he could be around her. Right. But rather than try to get away from him or run to authorities, Amy did what she felt was best for the situation. She went into therapist mode and started talking Mm. to him. She was really calm, non-confrontational, and talked with him until she felt like she had talked him down. Then later, while everyone was inside the event, Gareth came over to the table where she was sitting and whispered something in her ear, probably like, hey, can we talk again? Yeah. Amy excused herself 
and she and Gareth go off to the side and talk for about 45 minutes. After the ceremony, Amy and her friend Hernando went to a diner and talked about everything that had gone down because she was pretty huh. shaken up. Yeah. She said she was going to buy more mace and pepper spray, change the locks on her doors, do everything she knew to keep herself safe, install a security camera at her home, everything. And Hernando offered to let her stay at his place, but she was like, no, I feel safe with my roommate there. She yeah. lived with a male friend. Okay. So she she felt safe because she didn't live alone. She told her friend Robert, uh, Robert Koshland, her bestie, mm -hmm. about what had happened at the ceremony and said, hey, I want to share my phone location with you. And then she said, if anything happens to me, it was Gareth. Mm. And Robert suggested she renew the restraining order, but she said, well, he hasn't done anything to actively threaten me. Because again, the system makes right. it really difficult for victims to get protection. Like she would have to provide proof. Yeah. Right. Two weeks after her run-in with Gareth, she called her parents with an unexpected request. She told them, quote, if I die, I want to have an open casket funeral and I want an elaborate headstone. And she gave very explicit wishes. Hmm. Imagine being her parents and getting that phone call. Yeah, you're like, what aren't you telling us? And the only thing I was could think was maybe to them it didn't seem unusual because she yeah. was into mortality and talking about yes. gruesome things. So maybe they just thought like, oh, this is just her personality. It was just a regular Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. Amy also wrote an email to herself as a way of documenting what had happened at the award show. She wanted something mm -hmm. in writing and she wanted something that clearly was from her. So mm -hmm. in it, she says, quote, he started screaming. You shouldn't be here. Why are you here? He was sobbing. He was distorting his face up and shaking violently. It terrifies me that he's been obsessed with me for nine years. He's malicious, highly intelligent and focused on harming me. Yeah. So she's doing everything she can think of to put some safeguards in place. Yeah, yeah. Valentine's Day was approaching. It was on a Friday. And on Thursday, February 13th, Amy sent a text to Drew Carey. It read, quote, mm. Hey, I know we haven't talked in a while, but I've been doing a lot of thinking about, you know, forgiveness. And I would love to get together with you and talk. And Drew responded, Yeah, I would love to do that. I love you. He was really happy to hear from her and was looking forward to yeah. meeting up with her after Valentine's weekend. But sadly, he would never get the chance. Oof. On Friday morning, Amy woke up early. She was meeting her friend Cleopatra Slow for a sunrise hike. It was 630 in the morning and Amy wasn't quite ready. So she invited Cleopatra in while she finished, finished getting dressed. And right before they walked out the door, Amy grabbed a red cardigan and said, it's Valentine's Day. I'm just going to throw this on. Hmm. As they hiked through the Hollywood Hills, Amy told her the history of the neighborhood and pointed out all these landmarks that she found interesting, kind of like a little tour guide. Yeah. And then the two stopped at the Beechwood Cafe for breakfast. And Cleopatra said Amy seemed really happy and in a good place. And she was excited because that night she had plans to go to, to a burlesque show with a group of girlfriends. Yeah. In her last Instagram post, Amy reposted an image from Female Collective that read, platonic love is important too. And in the caption, Amy wrote, many people are celebrating love today. Whether you are in a relationship or not, exposure to this could feel overwhelming if you are in an unhealthy mm. relationship, mm -hmm. dissatisfied with your relationship status, unhappy in your relationship or feeling pressure to be in a relationship. 
I think that Valentine's Day is a wonderful time to be mindful and redirect thoughts about love to platonic love. There is so much cultural emphasis on romantic love, but let's be thankful for the authentic love that we give and receive to friends. And what a nice reminder that is and nice sentiment. And she was celebrating that day with her friends. Yeah. That night, as she was getting ready to go to the burlesque show that was being hosted by her friend, Miss Tosh, that was her stage name. Right. Amy put on a pink velvet dress, black knee-high boots, a black leather jacket, and a rosary necklace. And her hair was up in a top knot. Gorgeous. I'll post a pic. And she and her friends had a fantastic time. They were standing the whole time and cheering and taking photos. It just seemed like a really great night. Hmm. After the show ended around 9 p.m., Amy met up with Miss Tosh in the lobby. And Miss Tosh invited her to come out to an after party. Amy, who was not a drinker, said, no, I'm just going to go have tea with my friends. So they said their goodbyes, and Miss Ta- Tosh said, all right, I love you. I'll see you again soon. Amy and her friends went to a hotel called The Nomad, hanging out, chatting, taking pictures, and then called it a night shortly after midnight. Amy drove home, arriving around 1 a.m. As she sat in the driveway, she texted her friend Robert. He had sent her a restaurant recommendation for Edinburgh because she had an upcoming trip to the U.K., And she texted him back to say the restaurant looked cool. And then she texted one of her friends she had been out with that night and said, send me the pics from the green couch. That text was sent at 1.02 a.m. The Nomad had this green velvet sofa and Amy and her friend had been taking photos on it all night, just like doing different poses and stuff and being cute. Yeah. And then Amy got out of her car and went inside her house, heading up to her bedroom on the third floor. What she didn't know is that an intruder... Gareth, <clears throat> allegedly, was mm. inside waiting for her. Oh, my God. He had been there just waiting for her to come home for four hours. Which is freaky. So terrifying. Yeah. Earlier in the night, her roommate Michael had been asleep on the ground floor when he woke up to what he thought was a plate smashing. Mm. He assumed it was Amy and didn't think too much of it, so he fell back asleep. But the sound was actually an intruder breaking into the home. Yeah. As soon as Amy reached her bedroom, she was brutally attacked. Mm. Michael woke up to Amy screaming, and then he heard what sounded like, quote, bodies slamming to the floor. (sighs) Soon her screams became muffled as though a hand had been placed over her mouth. Michael started yelling to try and scare off the intruder, but that did nothing. And unfortunately, he couldn't find his phone anywhere to call for help. So he ran outside, but got trapped in the courtyard. I guess like he was locked in. Oh, uh uh-huh. So he had to scale a tall metal fence to get out. Oh, my God. While he was doing that, he ends up cutting himself. Oh, my God. But did manage to make it to a neighbor's house and just started pounding on the door. Yeah. But no one answered. Then he ran across the street to another house, but no one answered there either. Jeez. Oh, Finally, he sees someone walking down the street and they have a cell phone. Mm. So Michael runs up to them and they call 911. This was at 1.14 mm. a.m. I was just going to ask what time it was. So she was in there with the intruder, Gareth, <clears throat> allegedly, for several minutes. Oh, my God. When the police arrived... They found Amy lying outside on the ground, 20 feet below her balcony. 
she had deep marks around her neck, which led them to believe she had been strangled, as well as severe injuries from the quote unquote fall from the balcony. Mm. She was struggling to breathe. She was still alive. (gasps) Cops took Michael, the roommate, down to the police station while Amy was transported to Cedar sinai Michael then contacted Amy's friend Robert and told him Amy had been attacked and asked if he could come down to the Hollywood police station. Mm -hmm. So when Robert got there, cops are questioning him, like, where were you last night? How do you know Amy? Because, you know, they have to ask those questions. Yeah. And then an officer walked into the room and said, I'm sorry, but Amy has passed away. Oh, my goodness. She had succumbed to her injuries and was pronounced dead at the hospital at 3.26 a.m. She was just 38 years old. Police then asked Robert if he knew anyone that might want to hurt Amy. And without hesitation, he said, it was Gareth. Gareth did this. Yeah. Yeah. First, to be woken up in the middle of the night to hear your best friend has been attacked and you need to come down to the police station a friend you had just received a text from two hours earlier yeah. to being questioned by the police. Like you're a suspect yeah. to then finding out your friend just died. Like an emotional train wreck. I can't, I don't ever want to imagine. Absolutely terrifying. Robert was the one who called Drew Carey to inform him of the news. And when Drew heard it, he just broke down. Mm. He was sobbing and said he couldn't even stand up. Investigators went to Amy's home to see if they could find any clues as to what had happened. And the first thing they saw was blood on the bedroom door. Then they found a trail of rosary beads from the necklace she had worn to the burlesque show. Mm. The beads went from the TV room to her bedroom and then out onto her balcony. Mm -hmm. And it was on the balcony that detectives found a big piece of evidence, a syringe. A syringe? filled with liquid. Oh my God. Amy's friends were like, yeah, that's definitely not something she would have herself because she doesn't drink, smoke, or do any drugs. No, and she's not a nurse. Turns out the liquid in the syringe was nicotine. What? Which I didn't even know nicotine was a liquid. No. I don't know much about nicotine. But nicotine can be used as a poison, and the amount that was in the syringe was enough to kill a person. Whoa. That's freaky deaky. Yeah. So he was planning to inject her with this. Yeah. However, the syringe had not been used on Amy, likely due to the Mm. fact that she put up a fight. Yeah. She had defensive wounds on her hands and arms, bruises on her neck, and petechia around her eyes. Petechia Mm. are little purple or red or bluish dots caused by broken blood vessels and can be a sign of strangulation. Robert told detectives all about Amy's history with Gareth, the restraining orders, how he acted when they ran into each other at the event in January. So later on in the day, February 15th, police went to the home of Gareth Purse House. Inside his home, they found a syringe filled with liquid. I bet. It was the exact same brand of syringe that was found at Amy's home, and the liquid looked the same as the other as well. And also, like, who just keeps syringes of liquid around? Not me. Neither. So. And when they had it tested, they found it was nicotine, and police also found scratches and bruises on Gareth's body. Uh, Yeah, I bet. 
Police arrested Gareth without incident on that Saturday. However, he was released the following Tuesday after posting a $2 million bond. Dang. Where's that coming from? Right? I did read, though, that like at least in California law, when it's a bond, you only have to post 10% of it in order oh, to get released. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. So I think he probably wasn't putting up the full two mil. Right. And then this is where the story takes a bit of an interesting turn. It's just like a little like, huh. More interesting? So according to Rolling Stone, after Gareth was released on Bond, musician Dave Navarro, like as in Jane's Addiction, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Dave Navarro, contacted police. Friends of Amy said Navarro did so because he was a friend of hers and he found out through mutual friends of Gareth that Gareth mistakenly thought Amy had cheated on him with Navarro during their relationship. Uh Uh-huh. Navarro did post an Instagram story stating he had called the police to rearrest Gareth as, quote, friends were alerted he meant to target another victim. Uh Uh-huh. So it sounds like at least people in Gareth's circle heard him maybe mentioning that he was planning to do more harm. Mm Mm-hmm. But when Rolling Stone reached out to Dave Navarro for a comment, a spokesperson for him said he only called the police as a concerned friend and advocate for domestic violence survivors because Navarro's mother had also been killed by an Mm. abusive Mm ex-boyfriend. The spokesperson denied that Navarro and Amy had ever been in a relationship. Uh The very next day, one day after he had posted bond... Gareth was rearrested on a no-bail warrant and charged with one count each of murder and first-degree residential burglary with the special circumstance allegation of lying in wait. Oh, my God. And it's the lying in wait that's the thing here because that would support premeditation. Mm-hmm. And if convicted, he could face the death penalty. DNA evidence found underneath Amy's fingernails as well as DNA evidence found on the French doors in her living room were a match for Gareth. Hmm. In fact, they said the chances of it not being Gareth's DNA were one in septillion. Whoa. Septillion has 24 zeros. Oh my goodness. So chances are pretty good that it's Gareth. Yeah. (laughs) Allegedly. (laughs) You think? Yeah. According to her autopsy, the Emmy ruled Amy's death as a homicide, stating the cause as blunt force injuries to the head and torso that she suffered in the fall from her balcony, as well as manual strangulation. Hmm. Strangulation is a very personal means of murder. Yes. Yes. It's a crime of passion. Typically, the victim knows her attacker. Yeah. And again, I bring up Dominique Dunn. Similar to that case, her attacker was much bigger than she was. And in this Mm. case, Gareth was a foot taller and over 100 Mm -hmm. pounds bigger than Amy. Because Amy was tiny. Yeah. At a preliminary hearing in September of 2021, Gareth pleaded not guilty. His lawyer said that Gareth did not kill Amy and that her quote unquote fall from the balcony could have just been an accident. But the judge was like, "Mm, nah, there's enough evidence for this case to go forward. In early 2022, Gareth's attorneys tried to have the case dismissed. They said there was insufficient evidence presented at the preliminary hearing the previous September. First off, what kind of sick, low piece 
of poop stain yeah. do you have to be to have a case like this dismissed? Right. One of his attorneys, a woman by the name Janet Santiso, said that the DNA evidence found underneath Amy's fingernails and on her French doors, along with the scratches and bruises found on Gareth's body, could not be dated and questioned whether the DNA evidence had been contaminated. It's mm. like, come on. Yeah, no, yeah, that's bizarro. It also makes me realize, like, this is, the crime is February 14th, 2020, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like, I wonder if COVID messed up some of this process, right? Yeah, and it, it kept getting delayed. That's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not sure if there was more to it, but I do know COVID did play a role in that. Thankfully, yeah. though, because he is on a no-bail warrant, he could not be released. So he has just been rotting yeah. in a cell, which is great. Oh, my goodness. Another of his attorneys, another woman by the name of Robin Bernstein-Lev, said that just because Gareth got emotional during that red carpet event the January before her death doesn't mm-hmm. prove anything. He just wanted to talk to her. Sure. Los Angeles County Superior Court Judge George Lamelli refused to dismiss the case and it will go to trial. However, the trial date still hasn't been set, but it is expected to happen this year. It's been over three years. It has. Just over. Yeah. Prosecutors are expected to present that Gareth planned to murder her. He waited for her to come home. When she did, he immediately began attacking her. There was a struggle as she fought for her life because of the struggle He was unable to inject her with a syringe of nicotine as he had planned, so he picked her up and threw her over the balcony to her death. Allegedly. Wild. Allegedly. And remember, and I mentioned it a couple times now, he threw her to the ground during their relationship based on that restraining order she had filed. Right. So it is something that he's been known to do. Also, my brain's going back to the the dumb joke about... uh... The Game of Thrones? Yes, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't look good for Gareth. No. Amy's murder shines a light on the numerous cases of domestic violence where the victim is not a public figure. One of her patients, a woman named Emily Sears, who had been going to Dr. Harwick to deal with her own intimate partner abuse, put it best, I think, when she said, quote, if this could happen to her, who knew what to do and is trained to help people in these circumstances, how are women supposed to process that? Not just her clients, but all women. If something like this can happen to the helper, then none of us are safe. It just feels like none of us are safe. That's chilling. It is. After Amy's murder, a friend of hers started a petition on change.org calling for the expansion of legal protections for survivors of domestic violence. I'm going to mm. post a link in the show notes. Sign it. Share it. It's been up a couple of years, but it, but it is still up and going. Yeah. There's also a memorial fund set up to create a life-size bronze sculpture of Amy surrounded by her favorite things. Whoa. And one of them is is her cat, little Marquis. So in the design plans, he's sitting beside her. The statue will include a dedication to all women who have lost their lives to domestic violence, and it will reside at Hollywood Forever Cemetery, which was one of Amy's Mm. favorite places. Mm -hmm. Dave Navarro, 
who is also a street artist, which I just learned during this research. No idea. Spray painted an image of Amy on a street sign near Hollywood Forever shortly after her death. Hmm. So it's clear this is a place she would want to be memorialized. Yeah. However, her funeral took place in her hometown of Lansdale, Pennsylvania, and she's buried hmm. in Ambler, Pennsylvania. Huh. Her friends hoped to be able to unveil the statue at what would have been her 42nd birthday coming up here on May 20th. But Mm. unfortunately, according to their project status page, at least, they're not even close to achieving that goal. I'll post the link to the Memorial Fund on the show notes as well. So you can donate if you choose. Yeah. And is that money that's slowing them down? I would imagine because when I say they are not close, like they are not close. Yeah. I think yeah. I think they roughly estimated 250,000 and they're around like 8 or 9,000. Okay. Drew Carey said he hopes that Amy's death will bring more attention to the dangers of stalking and raise awareness about intimate partner violence. He said, quote, "You can't be a person in this country and not know a woman who hasn't been a victim of domestic violence. You just can't." And it's really a problem that not enough people acknowledge. Yeah. And to wrap this up, I wanted to share a tribute I found on the online guest book from the funeral home. I'd love to share all the messages, like a ton of people who were patients of hers wrote in just to say what an amazing therapist she was and how much she helped them. But I came across one post that just stood out to me because I think it speaks a lot to Amy's personality. This is from a woman named Kimberly, and she writes, Amy was one of my first friends in L.A. when I moved there not knowing anyone yet. When we met at work, we realized quickly why we got along. We had something most people don't have in common. The love of taxidermy. (laughs) At the time, she was the only other person I knew who loved taxidermy and old science material as much as I did. Amy and I frequently shared our new taxidermy items whenever we collected them. Amy also introduced me to pretty much everyone I know now in L.A., as she always had such fun little get-togethers and clothing exchanges with all her friends from different circles, and she brought us all together. She never judged anyone and was always understanding of each person's personality and loved everyone for who they were. That's really sweet. And that was Dr. Amy Harwick. Wow. What a journey. Oh, it's a rough one. Yeah. I think Gareth did it, allegedly. Mm. But that's my thought. I'm not I'm not here to yeah. I mean there hasn't been a trial yet, so we can't really say, but yeah. uh certain things point to a certain person is all I'm saying. Yeah. And I just I'm just sort of struck and maybe this is how it always is, but how much time there is between a crime and a trial. Yeah, isn't that wild? That's just shocking to me. Yeah. I'm just glad that he's not out on bond. I'm glad he's sitting in a cell. Yeah, that's rough. Let us know what your thoughts are, you can reach out to us on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube at Horrorwood Podcast. Or send us an email. Oops, I did it. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, Matt did the exact same thing the other day. (laughs) Or send us an email at Horrorwoodpodcast at gmail.com. And if you're feeling so inclined, you can pop on over to Patreon. We do have that new tier. If you want to just like get rid of the ads, but you're not ready to like go full murderino, you can be one of our accomplices. And that's at patreon.com backslash horrorwood podcast. And thank you, Joe, for being here. And thanks for being there, my co-host for the day. That was exciting. Oh, 
Thanks for having me. That was a wild ride. I couldn't yeah. have seen any of those destinations coming. I mean, I could kind of see it coming. You could. You could. But yeah, as as we say often here, uh, number one rule of Horrorwood and of life, don't do murder. Just don't no. do it. But do have annual cookie parties where you get together yeah. with loved ones and exchange cookies because that sounds delightful. And I might want to learn more about taxidermy. Something new every day. Thank you.